Welcome, everyone, to We Universe. This is the Ultra 64 podcast deep dive into the games of the Wii. So many buzzwords. So many buzzwords. This is my new. This is my new character. I just kind of mumble in the background while you you say all the. You know facts. what? I think mumbling is great for podcasting. Yeah, exactly. I think everyone really particularly works. loves uh, ex- uh, mumbling and, and being disengaged. I'm experimenting with new forms of audio entertainment. Before we started, <laughs> I was I was working on my whistling. Yeah. And just trying to communicate exclusively. And whistling. Yeah, I think we're going to try and communicate through bird calls yeah. in time. Uh, you, you have to make, well, and then maybe we can get really efficient by communicating and just uh, work this podcast through an intricate series of hand signals yeah. and just cut out the listener completely. Oh, okay, yeah. all right, that'll be cool. <laughs> right, so my name is... And I am... <laughs> and this is, uh, yeah, like I said, we are playing through every single game in the Wii U catalog. And today we've gotten... You almost said the Wii Universe catalog. That's true. <laughs> and I, is... I had that under control. Yeah. I had that under control. You're, you're nothing if not professional. Oh, absolutely. Fart, fart, fart. <laughs> um, yeah, so today we're playing a game that uh, neither of us had heard of before. So, uh, the, the Book of Unwritten Tales 2. Whoa. So I have many questions. Okay. The first question is, mm-hmm. how can you have a book full of unwritten tales, Steve? Because once they're in a book, they were, they've I, been I written. The actual title should be the book of As to Now Unwritten Tales. Heretofore, Heretofore Unwritten, unwritten tales. tales. Yeah. And I think that, you know, much like DC Universe or uh, the, you know, the, the backstory gets complicated. Yeah. In the world of... Uh, the world of Ultra 64, and I feel like this is a real opportunity. I don't know. We've been we've been doing this podcast for what, like a million years so far? Roughly a million years. Roughly yeah, a million yeah. years. Uh, we we have maybe like fifteen Wii U games we've played. This is like the first. This feels like the real number one episode. Like, yeah, I, I just think we're, I think we're starting for it because like that's what this that's what this show is really about. Look. We know what you're getting with your Super Mario 3D World. Sure. And we know what you're getting with your Shovel Knights. Mm-hmm. Cool quality 2D gameplay. And, and you know, know I don't yeah. want I don't want to cast early aspersions and judge things by their cover, but we probably know what you're getting from your Turbo Stunt Squads. Sure. And we probably know what you're getting from your SpongeBob Battle for Plankton's whatever. Anus. Yes. Or whatever whatever <laughs> that game was called. Ooh, I um, hope I win Plankton's Anus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I just really enjoyed your sort of half-committal SpongeBob voice. <laughs> oh, I wasn't even uh, trying to do a SpongeBob oh, okay. voice. You were close though. Oh yeah, no, it just kind of happened that way. Uh, good. Well, it's because it's something that he would just naturally say. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. My point is, we have, and you know what you're getting from your FIFAs. Sure. FIFAs, fos, fums. You're gonna get all the fiefs you can fief. Yeah, exactly. Um, but you know what? I didn't know what I was getting from my book of unwritten tales. Yeah. Because they were unwritten. You can't How read was I them. supposed to know? I How went to the library. I said, excuse me, sirs or madams. And you were talking to yourself <laughs> and was. your coworkers. <laughs> and was. they thought it was weird. Do you have a book of unwritten tales? Preferably the second? Yeah, and yeah. And they looked at me more confused than they usually do uh-huh. and said, Woody, you should go home and get some sleep. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I did. And then I came over here. And smelled your stinky dog. Oh boy, <laughs> he is—he uh, is ripping it up today. I'm yeah. sorry. He ate some raw chicken off my counter, and it has not been sitting right with him. And he's a poor stinky little buddy. But we we uh, wish him well, and we, we wish we wish this game well. We we I, I think I'm, we were coming in it hoping that we 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 you. and you had found mm-hmm. the real hidden gem, and that we could sort of start fresh and retcon all our previous continuity away, and be like, all right. The Wii U Starting. begins now with with a with a good game, 
and we played this game. Well, let's <laughs> let's let's let's, uh, let's not bury know. the lead. You know, I, we'll we'll <laughs> we'll we'll get to that. Um, yeah, we we do have some stuff to talk about with this game. But firstly, I want to ask uh, something I keep forgetting now. Oh, ask, sure. What are you playing lately? What am I playing lately? I feel like I go in waves of like playing a whole bunch of games and then like not being engaged and then watching a bunch of movies. And yeah. I've been on like that movie. Uh, the, riding that movie wave. Yeah, I do have a a, a public service announcement. Um, because I was playing some Blitz the League okay. too. Um, and I already told you this, so I apologize for repeating. Oh, it I'm in glad advance, I got to hear especially this especially after you had to deal with stuff coming out of your dog. Um, but that game is fucking gross. Like yeah. the, the for those who don't know, like the Blitz the League came out after EA had bought exclusive rights to the NFL. And Midway was like, all right, we're going to stick it to them and, like, make up these teams and, like, have this, like, the grossest, most violent version of football we possibly <laughs> can, which is a pretty fun idea if you don't factor in, like, the horrendous injuries that real players face on the field. Right. It, it, which makes it a lot harder to get over. But, like, it was kind of a fun way to, like, stick it to them. Um, and it's, you know, it's not a super great game, but there was a phrase where... I tackled a dude and hit him, you know, in his lower regions. The game proceeded to zoom in and show his testicles rupturing a, with a close-up on semen flying towards the camera, oh, which, which was crazy. I have not seen that in a Mortal Kombat game. Yeah. Though don't... if I'm, That probably is in a Mortal it Kombat probably game. Is. You don't need to send us a GIF. Yeah, we're going to get <laughs> 800 million. Yeah. yeah. Look at these balls exploding. Yeah. And it, yeah, then the guy goes to the bench with the injury ruptured scrotum. Yeah. And I'm like, geez, I, I just, I was, I was both shocked and appalled. And I think we should you all. You clutched your pearls. I you did. put them on I, and My then monocle just them. popped right oh, out. Oh. I'm a strange man who wears pearls and a monocle. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, Thing is, I could see you doing that yeah. just in your spare time. Like, oh, just got yeah. the pearls, monocle, just chilling. Yeah. Yep. My panties were quite in a twist. Oh, dear. Um, but write your local congressman. Tell him to ban this sick filth of Blitz the League 2. Yeah. Um, or I think society kind of voted that one out. They did kind of, actually. Yeah. It was... By society, I, I mean the 1989 movie Society about a <laughs> bunch of rich people turn into one big thing. Yeah. What a great movie. Anyway... Um, it, it, I was kind of bummed that like Blitz went to the wayside because they are fun games, uh, but I wish they could have straddled that line and not gone so gross and yeah. had a little more. Because there is a line where like things stop being fun, and I think it's especially hard with a football game where they're like, oh, these are like real people, whereas like in a Mortal Kombat game, you're like, oh, these are just goofy cartoons. Right, right. But, I don't know. That's what I played. That was my biggest memory. They're probably playing other pointless garbage because I always am. No, hey, yeah. you gotta always play some pointless garbage. Uh, like the book of unwritten tales too. My my uh, my playing this week is also a mea culpa because uh, we got this pretty wrong in the Mass Effect episode. Oh, I yeah, said that uh, the the Mass Effect Legendary Edition only contained the first game because that's <laughs> that's all I ever saw of it. Like that's all the promotional footage I just saw. Like the first game. So mm -hmm. I I uh, being a great journalist, I looked no further than that. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it is actually all three games. Big They've deal. all been uh, HD remastered. Yeah, we 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 had a Mass Effect episode where like the last people to this information. I'm sure everyone else knew we were wrong. I know, I know. I'm sure there were lots of people yelling at their podcasts. But either way, as a way of atonement, I am now playing Mass Effect Legendary Edition, and uh, goddamn, I'm having a good time. It's would you say if on would you say it is better or worse than Blitz the League Two? <laughs> Having not played it, uh, there are fewer testicles exploding, okay. so I'm going to say worse. Oh, interesting! Yeah, yeah. You took that in a different direction. It's like that scene in uh, the Simpsons episode where Daryl Strawberry plays, sure. uh, and they're like, he's like, uh, "You play center field, yeah? That's right. I play center field, right? That's right? Are, are you better than me? Oh, well, I don't know you, but 
Yes. Daryl yeah. Strawberry is so funny in that episode. He's kind of weirdly funny. Yeah. I think they almost like were reusing that yes. Yeah. Like just the same audio clip over I, I and love, over. My favorite line in that is no hustle either, Skip. Yeah, no <laughs> hustle either, Skip. Yeah, and he's the only one who doesn't have a horrible affliction. Uh, uh, in, in... You're playing Mass Effect Legendary Edition. Yes. Yeah, they're quality games. It is. Yeah, they're all high quality games. These new HD uh, renditions are really nice looking and... They also cut the really, really, really long load times that the original oh. games had. They've cut them down substantially. It makes it a much faster and more enjoyable experience. This is the way to go if well, you're going to play I'm some Mass Effect. I'm excited being this as is, I have not played more Mass Effect, and but I was impressed playing it in Mass Effect 3, and now this is my chance. This is a good way to jump in. This um, is a great way. Yeah. So also for the record, the only I'd like to correct the two times that our podcast, which is usually 100%, Factual information yeah. and no pointless dicking around. Never. Oh, God, um, no. No, we are straight to the point Yeah, here. Legendary Edition includes all three Mass Effects and mm. uh, the Sunsoft NES Batman game. Yeah. Actually pretty good. It so is I, good. I apologize. Thank when you. I, yes, when really? I when I was poo-pooing on Sunsoft. Yeah. Said it was, it, it's stupidly hard. Yeah, it but is. But who am I to, like, criticize it's an NES game for being stupidly hard? I mean, that's that's within the realm of, yeah, NES of what games, you'd yeah. expect for NES it, games. I'm so glad you've seen the light on, I, on original Batman. I, I think did. that game slaps. Yeah, it's awesome. Any Yes, it has a wall jump. Wall jumps? Right up there with grappling. Houses. I like wall jumps, especially sticky wall jumps, yeah. like in that game, like where you're you're just oh, I'm Batman. I'm just clinging to the side of a wall. Yeah, I'm really cool. cool like that. Yeah, totally. All right. Well, now t- that we've gotten all of that backstory we, out we, of the way, welcome he, to episode one of We Universe. This is going to be fun too because uh, Book of Unwritten Tales shortens to Bout. So okay. we can just say bout. We played bout. Bout two. It sounds like we're playing boxing games. These are not boxing games. <laughs> no, they are the polar uh, opposite. They of are. Boxing yeah, games. yeah. If it's possible to be anti-athletic, I think yeah. this game would be it. Uh, real quick, I want to touch a little bit on point-and-click adventure Ooh, don't, games don't because point, don't touch too hard. That point will go right through your finger. It'll just click right through. Yeah. You don't want to do that. Uh, yeah, they, we've we've only touched on it on Patreon episodes of this show. We've we only talked clicked about on it. Yeah, we only clicked on it. We only combined them in our yeah. inventory and then tried to use them on a doorknob on our Patreon shows. We covered um, The Last Express. Which is like a weird game, which I guess is a point-and-click adventure yeah. game, but it's usually like, it's kind of like a clock-watching simulator. It's a weird one, yeah. <laughs> it's like a dinner appointment manager. And then, like, yeah, yeah, that's kind of what it is. Yeah, because you have to manage your... it's You manage it in real time. You have to yeah. solve a murder mystery in real time, which is an odd way to and go. And so mostly you just have to, like, figure out where people are going to be at any given time so you can go eavesdrop on their conversations. Yeah, and then we played a uh, really strange, kind of cool uh, Japanese import N64 game called Wonder Project J2, which was... Oh, yeah. Almost not even a point... It, it, it is a point-and-click adventure game, I guess, but it's kind of like... Um, it's a little closer to like Pac-Man 2 in the sense that like you're not really you're not really telling your character what to do, you're suggesting what they do and then based on how you're like raising a cute little anime girl to learn yeah. how to be friends with everyone. In a non-creepy way. Somehow. Yeah, it wasn't a non-creepy yeah, it was, way. It wasn't to be creepy. Clear. Um so th- this is really the only time we've gotten to properly talk about the genre on a main feed show. Well, for uh, good reason. For good reason. <laughs> the the genre definitely had its heyday in like the 80s and the 90s. I mean, chances are the early 90s. If you're around our age and you hear the term point and click adventure, you're thinking of the Scum Engine games or the LucasArts your like Day of your, the Tentacles. Yeah, your your mansions. Your your uh, your throttles. Grim Fandangos, your Monkey your Island. Space Quest, The Legends of Roger Wilkos. All of that. Yeah, there's the Sierra games, Real King's Quest, The Leisure Suit Larry. Today, gone tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. Sam and Max. In the land of the lounge lizards. There's a bunch of these. There's yeah. a bunch of really good I ones. Just, I just kind of want to name stuff. Yeah, it's, but uh, yeah, that's that's totally fine. I mean, I, I you know, I think it's safe to say that 
like graphical point and click adventure games have their roots in like text adventure games. So things like yeah. Zork and Hunt the Wumpus and weird things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, You're a mind forever voyaging. Yeah. Okay, I'll stop. <laughs> Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yeah. You're the Hobbits. Wait, you, yeah, you've you played games before? Yeah. What? No, this is a big reveal. Uh, yeah. I just have a list. I just have a, this is actually a scripted podcast. It's laminated, Steve yeah. Steve actually writes out my lines every episode. <laughs> He's the only one who's ever played a video game on this podcast. <laughs> and so he just writes I want out. everyone to know. Yeah. Uh, so the first graphical text-based adventure was called uh, Mystery House. Came, it was a Sierra game from 1980 for the PCs. And it had kind of a lot of the stuff that we've come to think of with the genre. It's like the the list of actions that you select and you can combine items and like use things and you have to kind of apply some esoteric outside the box thinking. Uh, I You know, I think the, the late 80s LucasArts games were, were popular, but they're still kind of more of a cult thing. They're more kind of a niche thing. Yeah, like I think time the, has been kind to them and people like remember them, I think, generally more fondly than the Sierra ones. Totally. Um, just because their gameplay was less dated and frustrating. Yeah. But I think it's worth no Like the Sierra ones were more popular and yeah. like sold better, I think, most of the time. Oh, definitely, definitely. Uh, but I think the the genre really tipped into mainstream territory in 1993 with the release of Myst, uh, oh, which yeah. which is a point and click adventure game. It's more baffling than your average one. But God, I think Myst may be like if you took like my aesthetic of what I enjoy in video games, I think Myst might be on the opposite end of it. Oh, really? Because slow paced, slow paced, uh, no, first person, first just person. like obscura, and yeah. you just walk around and are baffled and frustrated by things. I've always like been it so looks cool. Yeah, I've always been so entranced by the world of Mist, and I always really want to like that game. It just makes it so hard yeah. to like it or to play it. It's, but it did kind of spawn off all of these this kind of little revival in the point and click adventures, and they were they were getting increasingly esoteric and weird until people kind of just generally agreed they were done with them. But they they stayed alive as like a kind of a like a niche market thing, you know. Like there, there's the company we're talking about today is called the Adventure Company, and for a good ten year period, they were the ones like kind of holding the torch for these kind of games. Right, but um, it's I mean it's weird to think of that you could have a genre that's so niche and specific that you can have a company that like has the genre's name in it. Like it would be and like they get by. It would yeah, be like yeah. the Shooter Company. We make. Shooters. Sure. You're like, uh, I don't know if I'm sold on this. Yeah. Yeah. Also, like, adventure can be so, like, open ended. Like, yeah. I don't know. It's just a, a company I mean, for adventure. I'm they sure. could be assassins for all we know. That's true. Why did, why do you think adventure games fell out of favor? I have my own theory, which I will reveal right now while you think about your answer. Do it. Do it. I think that they're boring. That, um, I, I think that's the thing it, that people kind of come around on. You, it's a genre I always remember fondly, and then when I go back and try and play it, I'm like, this just isn't very fun to play, generally. Like, right. There are exceptions. Because like, I, I recently finished Grim Fandango for the first yes, time, I, like, yeah. uh, which was a pretty intense experience of reading a manual, because that game is impossible without a manual. That game is super, like, they. that was one of the earlier, like, 3D models, and, like, the the price of that is you can't see anything that's on going on in that game. And so it's very unclear what you had to interact with. Right. The puzzles and, become really hard. And it's, it's one of those games that you stick with it because it's really funny and it's yeah. really clever. It's well-written and it's, it's, you want to see what happens next, but the gameplay is often kind of an impediment to your enjoyment of these games. Maybe that's what happened to some extent is that people figured out how to integrate things like humor and good writing into other genres. Exactly. Like, like for a while, it was like, okay, you can either play 
um, I don't know, like Pitfall the Mayan Adventure, or you can actually have like, or you can play Indiana Jones and the Fate of Atlantis. Right. And which, they, which they is do very funny different and things. And yeah, 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 exactly. And it's just like, eventually they're like, oh, look, we can put interesting stories into our action games and have interesting characters and yeah. sell the market. I, yeah, you now like to play an adventure game, you want to be excited about that genre. You do. Which is harder. And it's, it's kind of even more out of favor. I, I would say the last time the genre was like super popular, and that's even like with an asterisk, was uh, the Telltale games. Yeah. And even those are like, they're not, they're not point and click in the way that you generally think of them. They're more like uh, black and white options. Like you're being given they, one of two choices. They're a very handholdy story. Like there yeah. are like some point and click aspects of it as just yeah, like to give limited. it like the illusion of being a game where like you find an unopened can and like look around the supermarket and find can opener on floor. Right. And you're like, hmm, how will I solve this mysterious puzzle? Telltale, you devious I'd bastards. Love to, I'd love to pick it up, but I have no knees. Yeah. How, how will I get down there? Yeah. There's always some kind of like a complication like that. But yeah, those games mostly are just like, oh, look, we can basically cut out the sort of puzzle elements and just make it a very simplistic like dialogue choosing but yeah. like they're great because sure. like all the characters are funny and engaging. Yeah, and they, they tell like good strong emotional I stories. I do feel yeah. like the heart of adventure games is usually in the puzzles. Yeah, 100%. And uh the game we're talking about today doesn't lean very hard on the puzzle, at least not in the traditional sense, but we'll 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 dig into that. Let's see. Uh let's talk a little bit about Book of Unwritten Tales and its creator King Art Games. Okay. So, uh yeah, like I said, this game created by King Art Games, or a German studio founded in 2000. Okay, I uh, want to pause you there, because yeah. I want to take a brief sidetrack to our brethren in Deutschland. Okay. Um, it, which, I don't know why there are brethren. I guess I'm of German descent eventually. But yeah, but I don't we, know. Might be. Work my last back. name's German. I'm just not. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think Adventure Games, based on my very limited research of looking stuff up while you were playing, yeah. Um, are very have enjoyed more widespread popularity and lasting popularity in Germany than pretty much anywhere else in the world. Like, not to say that they're like all games, like all other genres are dwarfed by adventure games in Germany, right? But like, they're more popular there than you would think. And I think, like, generally, the LucasArts game, like PCs, have I think always been more popular in Europe mm -hmm. um, as a gaming platforms. And like, the LucasArts game made a very strong foothold, and like. They, I think another aspect of it is German games are often heavily censored if they were violent. And so that makes like a lot of sort of big time shooters didn't make it to Germany or got there in sort of a neutered form. Mm -hmm. And so like the adventure market was able to kind of keep going. And it's just kind of spiraled in, spiraled in of itself is like a lot of companies that still make adventure games are German companies. Yeah. So yeah, that's yeah. it. That's our that's our German corner. No, if, yeah. if we have any. I. If you're a listener to this show and you're in Germany, like write in. Are adventure games popular in Germany? And like, why? Is is that? Yeah, I, I think your theory is a good one. Like, I think that makes sense. Uh, yeah. So the the company was founded in 2000 to develop mobile games, which are now all lost to time because they oh, were sure. pre-smartphone mobile games. Uh, their first release that you can actually still acquire, I guess technically, is uh, the Nintendo DS adaptation of Inkheart which is a forgotten game based on a forgotten Brendan Fraser movie based on a forgotten young adult novel. Wow. Uh, so triple I've, layers I've, of I've obscurity I've already there. forgotten. 
Uh, yeah, Inkcart, definitely not a success, uh, but the, the company was tired of the mobile market, so they decided they wanted to start making their own IP, and Book of Unwritten Tales was their first attempt. It debuted on Steam in Europe in 2009. It made it over here in 2011. Uh, so the original game, I've, I've been digging into that. Um, I picked it up on Steam, that's, and I've been playing that's that. That's the thoroughness you can enjoy from that, the, the Wii Universe podcast. You're welcome, people. Yeah, yeah I, I wanted a little bit of basis in what this world was Steve and what this game is more junk to, be. to throw away his money on. I sure so. do. I sure do. Uh, so, yeah, I downloaded it, and I was, I, uh, it's, it's a clearly a budget title. Uh, it, it's, well, I mean, th- and that totally makes sense. I can't imagine that, like, anyone is going to make an adventure game with a high budget. No, not necessarily. You're, 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 if you're selling a ton of... If you're selling it to every adventure gamer out there, you're selling not that many copies right. compared to, like, a Call of Duty. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you need uh, you need a little more action get one, get one copy to every person who's excited about adventure games in the world, yeah. and you're selling <laughs> one-tenth of a Call of Duty. You know, uh, I, I enjoyed the vibe here. Uh, it's... I, I say this as a compliment... It's it the the most charming thing about this series that I found so far is that the developers seem to have like just discovered Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Oh sure, like in twenty sure. two thousand nine, like like they it seems like they just discovered it and they're real excited to share this kind of like sense of humor with people because it's it's all all the references are very dated but like. In a in a very earnest and kind of charming way, like this is a this is a comedy fantasy game. It's supposed to be like somewhat of a light parody of fantasy right. tropes, I, but I, it's still very much embedded in these fantasy tropes. Right. I feel like that. In some ways, it's I don't know. It, it, I think it's maybe better than this, but it, it's sort of the same logic of like a Shrek mm-hmm. of like they just live in generic fairyland. Right. Where like the joke is that like all of these fantasy stories sort of are in this giant pot. Um, cause like early in the game, you're in the library and there's just all these different swords from like, that are recognizable from different franchises. Yeah. They'll make a joke about like, there's this demon trophy head that's up above the doorway mm-hmm. and she's like, Oh look, a group of adventurers brought this to hang. But then like two days later, a different group of adventurers brought the same head and it's like a wow raid joke. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so it's like, there's no sort of consistency to the world itself. It's all just like based on yeah, we know how fantasy worlds are, right? Yeah. Like, like, some of the references that they make in here are, like, jabs at Discworld, which is already, like, a parody fantasy right. series. So it's already kind of but, a parody of a parody. But, like, that, like, Discworld, I think, is an example that, like, strives to form a kind of its own world and has its own, like, weird gimmicks to be like... Right. It just has this kind of a tongue-in-cheek style Right, whereas to it. this, yeah, this yeah. like... It doesn't really have any unique ideas of its own in terms of like this is the weird gimmick about this world or this is like the su- thing of the city. It's just like all things you already know. Yeah. Which I think works in, in terms of like shorthand because like when this game starts, you're like an elf who's sick and the the, the joke is like, oh, elves don't get sick. So what's going on? Yeah. And I, I don't know. Like that makes sense. I think that the, the humor in this game will click for people who are excited about fantasy and just enjoy getting it's like very very like lukewarm fun poked at it like a very toast a very warm chuckle yeah yeah, it, yeah it's, exactly. uh, this is not a laugh out loud game it's more of like a <laughs> yeah 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 it's, it's one of those it's yeah. one of those but like i i appreciated the the very exuberantly dorky spirit of yeah, these like a good it, way to put it it kind of felt like when you were discovering these early lucasarts games for the first time like maniac mansion it has kind of that similar 
sense of humor in that it feels like these jokes were written in 1986 uh but like it's earnest it's 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 uh it works for what they're trying to do yes uh yeah and and reviewers at the time like with book of written tales it was kind of like a big hit like the escapist mm -hmm. which is like kind of particularly uh, uh hard on games gave it like a five-star review wow. and like yeah really liked it uh and it's a, a really long game it's like a 20 hour long adventure game and i don't know if that's necessarily a draw for most people i i don't think it is for me i i did i was enjoying it i played this like three hours or so and then i was at a point where i'm like okay this is the moment where i know i'm not going to continue going because the adventure games are pretty bad about this, and this one in particular, uh, I'm like a phenomenon. I'm going to call Columboing. Okay, it's uh, where you complete all the tasks on your chart, and then the guy before he lets you advance says, "Oh, oh, oh, oh one more thing." Okay. You know, so, and then you just have to go back. You also have to get like a potion, and then you bring it back. Oh no, just one more thing. You got to go get a magic wand and a robe and go fight a thief. And like, they kept like tacking it on and padding it out. You I know, see. so that, when I reached that point, I'm like, I don't want to keep doing that there, it's taking way too long to just like get through this gate in the city and it, it's uh and it, it, it's slowing things down i mean that's just that's always the tricky part of adventure games in general is the spirit of them is just gonna be slow like they're right. always slow and that's part of the gameplay but like how can you keep it sort of slow and leisurely but actually keep you engaged with what you want to do next yeah you, it's like you have to keep the goalposts close enough that like you don't just sort of fade out and lose interest. And I think this one kept my interest a little bit longer because it streamlines the gameplay. And we'll get into that a little bit more because uh, uh, the sequel does it to a degree, not yeah. as effectively. But uh, a little bit more about King Art Games. They did follow this up with a prequel called Book of Unwritten Tales Critter, Critter Chronicles okay. based off one of the characters in this, kind of a prequel about how Nate and Critter became friends before the event of the first game. Uh, and then they had a, a couple of other like point-and-click adventures, like the Raven, uh, Battle Worlds, Chronos, and then like some turn-based strategy games. Uh, they're still going, and this this game that we're talking about today, Book of Unwritten Tales Two, is their biggest financial success to date. Nice, kudos to them. Let's jump into this game then. Uh, Book of Unwritten Tales Two, released June seventh, twenty sixteen, developed by King Art Games and the Adventure Company, and published by Nordic Games. And it's also available on Windows, OS X, Linux, Android, PS3, PS4, 360, Xbox One, and Switch. So Goodness me. Oh, you, you can, can get it. Get it on Switch. That's, it's, it's very it's gettable. So, I, I always forget that like the window, because Switch just feels like it, Wii U feels old at yeah. this point, yeah, and yeah. Switch feels new. Mm -hmm. And so it's just so weird that like, you, can get, you can get the same games on both systems. Yeah, <laughs> it, it feels strange. It does feel strange. A little bit about the Adventure Company. We talked about them a second ago, but uh, they were a Canadian company, and they were one of the most fervent keepers of the torch for, like, adventure yeah. games. Like, they they first broke out in 2002 with a little series called The Cameron Files, and usually when I say a little series, I mean that, like, uh, uh, ironically. Yeah. But here I mean it's actually like a, a little, little series. like a little series like Halo. Yeah, yeah. Like, this is actually pretty little. Uh, they scored uh, their first big license in 2003 when they produced their, their first Law & Order game. I think they would do three or four of those. And then they also had licenses like The Hardy Boys, Nancy Drew, Agatha Christie, Broken Sword, and they did eventually take over Sam & Max. It's um, odd, like... Um... I occasionally would go, go go through spurts where I'm like, oh, maybe I want to get into adventure games and like play a bunch of old adventure games. And I think I went to this site called like adventuregamers.net, which is a very nice site, but yeah. they have a list of like the top 100 adventure games. And I feel like I was like aware of the existence of like 50 of them. Okay. It's just like really weird how like 
I know it's not a super big market, but like how many adventure games have some kind of following or like are regarded as really good? Yeah. That never like cross over into like games that people that we play. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like people, there's a lot of. I think some of these Nancy Drew games are like highly regarded. And they are considered yeah. like pretty polished, but like I've never played one. I don't no. know anyone who's had except for like Carolyn Keene. I, I remember that was kind of pushed for that Nancy Drew series was pushed forward specifically as kind of a good example of like games for girls sure. as if that's a thing, you know, it yeah. shouldn't be a thing, but yeah, it was, it was being put forth as like a positive, like video gaming experience for girls. Uh, so yeah, the adventure company, they were purchased in 2011 and absorbed into THQ Nordic, which is the other developers of this game. Uh, they were founded in Sweden in 2011, since moved headquarters to Vienna. They got off to a pretty slow start. They didn't actually get their first hit until 2015 with Darksiders, uh, which we will be talking about, I think, one of those games on the weekend. Yeah. Uh, and it was around that time that the company merged with publishing giant THQ to form THQ Nordic, which is as what it's known as today. I think their most recent release was uh, Biomutant, which looks oh, like an interesting one. Very recent release. Yeah, very really, just like this month, yeah. All right, so the first bout, the first book of Unwritten Tales mm -hmm. was funded in-house, uh, but it, it was undeniably an amateur-looking production. Like, right. they left flubs in the voice acting. Like, mm -hmm. they, left, they left outtakes in there. Uh, but they, so they turned to Kickstarter to kind of drive funding for the sequel, and they overshot their goal by a good amount. They earned nice. uh, 171000 on a goal of 100000 And according to King like, Art, that's this a very, is, That's a very cheap it's game, It's a cheap though. game. Like, it, it was a small team. Yeah. It's a cheap game. And this is kind of why it's been ported to pretty much every system. Because they Kickstarter would, like, set games goals, to, like each goal will port it, port it to Wii U or yeah. your... Blackberry, I don't know. Yeah, and like I said, this is their most successful game they've ever done. They say about 400,000 units, which isn't much of a dent in most major companies, but uh, that's that's pretty good for a little indie company. So for the... Is this the third week in a row now? We're jumping in on a sequel Oh wow! to games yeah. like that we haven't really played the first ones. Well, that some of us haven't played. Like, yeah. I played Mass Effect, I played Epic Mickey. Sure, but, but there's um, no way to play... You, I mean, the thing is, you even if you're a console gamer you couldn't play this game. Like, no. It's only on the P. It's just weird that the original is only on PC and then the sequel is on everything. Yeah, yeah, it's very strange. But, like, yeah, so it's it feels weird to kind of jump into it, especially when it's kind of a lore-heavy series. Like, right. the story is kind of the hook. Uh, but the first game opened up with uh, this old gremlin man named Mortimer MacGuffin. Uh, yeah, that's, that's where we're at. Sure. Uh, being uh, kidnapped by the minions of an evil sorceress known as Mother... Mother and her underlings want possession of it. What they just call, keep calling it it, which is a magical artifact that can turn the tide of war and basically grant wishes. Okay, uh, okay. In this country, uh, it's called Aventasia, and they've been locked in this really long war between the Alliance and the Shadow Army. They keep going back and forth and who's winning and who's losing. Uh, so, yeah, MacGuffin is rescued uh, from uh, his imprisonment by a wood princess or like a wood elf princess named Ivo, and then shortly thereafter, Ivo and MacGuffin meet Wilbur Weathervane, who is a gnome working as a dishwasher, <laughs> but who wants to be a mage. Uh, and then uh, he goes on this quest to deliver the one ring that uh, Mortimer oh, sure. MacGuffin gives to him, which, of course, they do. Uh, and then eventually they meet up with uh, a sky pirate named Nathan Bonnet and his sidekick, Critter, who is like this big uh, pink Muppety-looking thing. Yeah, he, he looks like uh, Grimace. Kind yeah, of. yeah, looks a little like Grimace. He's pretty cute. 
Uh, and so this game opens a year after the events of the first, uh, and each of the respective characters have returned to their homes. Nate has befriended an insecure genie named Benny, who I think he got at the end of the last game. Uh, as the game opens, he's plummeting to his death after falling from his flying island home. And then we cut to Ivo, who's back at her palace. Uh, she's, a, she's a princess in the Wood Elves. And she discovers here that she is pregnant. And that kind of brought to mind, like, are there any games out there where you play as a pregnant woman? Is this the only game where you play as a pregnant woman? They ever make an adventure game based on Fargo, where you, like, walk around Ooh. as Francis McDormand? And... No, but I wish they would. Yeah. Oh, man, because you have to, like, type in, like, I betcha or something at yeah, the end exactly. of everything. Yeah, exactly. You have to go great. chat with Mike Yanakita in, yeah. in the diner. <laughs> I just miss you so much. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I love that movie. Such a super lady. <laughs> I, yeah, so I, I think that's noteworthy, if anything else. And that's about as far as we got in this game. I never got to see Nate, or I never got to see Wilbur in this game. Yeah, I Wilbur's mean, got kind of a weird voice. Like, my theory, I'm not sure if the actor is just, like, South African or or if he's, like, German trying to do a Scottish accent. Something just sounds a little off. Uh, well, this game but he's charming. Probably yeah. original. Like, that's not necessarily the original voice actor, right? Because, like, this yeah, game was probably true. originally in German. Uh, yes, yeah, it was, which is why the lip syncing is kind of all off throughout the game. Um, yeah, and so there, there's a lot more story to go into, but like with a game like this, I don't want to go into the plot too much, just because that's kind of the draw. Like if you're gonna play it, you want it, you want to do it for the story more than anything. And like this is definitely the kind of game where when you move, when you make the big step, and like we all all do and graduate from Nintendo 64 to Wii U, sure, these are these are the games that are sort of the trickiest. Turn, turn, turn. To yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, because this is a game when you play it for an hour, you're not really seeing much of what it has to offer. Like, we certainly got a feel of what the game plays like, but it's like, all right, what direction is this story going to go? But at the same time, I will say, like, the actual technical aspects of this game are pretty frustrating and sure. don't make me want to play it more. And I think that the most the most egregious and unfun of these is the um, load times and the frame rate. And this is just such a recurring theme. Is it just like, man, you're... I don't know if we need to like really take a pressure washer to your Wii U or what, but it just seems like it runs like garbage. Yeah, I I kind like, of suspect that this is the fault of this Wii U port and not the yeah, game itself. No, I know because yeah, yeah, playing yeah. playing the original on my computer. Obviously, it's an older game, but it, it runs incredibly fast and smooth. Yeah. Like, and my computer is notoriously not great with games, like of even simple sure. games. So. Yeah, we there, tried there to are... boot up Space Invaders on there. You got the blue screen of death. I did, I yeah. did. It's just I couldn't invade space at all. Yeah. Now, the thing that this series does that I really like is that it tries to streamline some of these annoying uh, adventure game quirks. So, mm -hmm. like, if you play something like Day of the Tentacle, which is a, a very good game, yes, but it, it's going to get incredibly frustrating because so often you're just going to be wandering around without any real clue of what to do, just kind of trying stuff on different stuff. Okay. Because sometimes sure. you can logic it out and sometimes you just need to get on the game's weird wavelength and it's going to have some kind of esoteric like uh, bug hunt that you have to go on, you know. And this game doesn't really have that. Like there's a level where, there's a section where you need to make yourself a parachute. And so, oh, look, you have a tarp, you have a rope, you have a backpack. Sew it all together, there, you have a parachute. Like okay. it makes sense. Yeah. The other thing this game does is that once you're done investigating something like if it no longer has a purpose you can't select it anymore it's just like, totally removed from your inventory it's just totally removed from the inventory like the the items in the background like you can't keep looking at things like even though they're never going to have any application 
and I like that because it, it streamlined things. It streamlines things a lot, and uh, it it just kind of helps keep you and on there's track. There's only there's only like two thing two ways you can interact with the thing. Like you can look at it, yeah, and then you can use it, mm-hmm. um, which is actually coincidentally the only two ways I interact with things. Sure, um, fair. It's that's why I don't have any friends. <laughs> um, but uh, so it's like it's usually pretty intuitive. You always have to look at something before it will even let you use it, and yeah. then it's like. They say, like, oh, your character will just use it in the way that seems logical to them. Uh, but it generally makes sense. Like, if you have the fishing rod equipped, you can't just use the fishing rod on whatever you want. You just have to, like, walk to the pond, and it's like, all right, you want to fish. Yeah. So they make that relatively sensible. I do think that kind of the drawback of that, not that I'm supporting, like, big confusing puzzles, is that, I don't know, like, the puzzles, them, sometimes, like, the puzzles themselves in those LucasArts games can kind of be, like, weird and memorable in their own way, just, like, the, um, like, disguising yourself or, like, painting yourself a weird color or, like, putting that hamster in the microwave. Mm-hmm. We all remember that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, whereas here, it doesn't seem like most of the puzzles are really going to stick with you as, like, oh, remember when that happened? Remember, there is, like, a weird... I don't know. There's, like, a couple kind of weird puzzles. Like, just early, you, you have to, like, trap your little bird who's guarding you in a music box mm-hmm. and then you get this flower that's kind of shaped like a vuvuzela which yeah. i think that probably would have been the joke at the time it was a more and current reference you then, use yeah. it to scare a different flower bush which turns its petals green right because you need those for your potion so all that stuff like works pretty well but i do want to get back to like just the technical aspects real quick because i do feel like that would sort of dog through this whole game and, yeah like, that's because i don't I don't know. It's like for a game like this, you'd think, oh, the frame rate doesn't really matter that much for a game that's not really an action game. But it just feels very chunky. Yeah. Like, and it it doesn't feel. Uh, you, you it almost feels like you're playing an unfinished product in a lot of ways. Yeah, and you, it, it just doesn't feel good. And like, especially the the most the worst thing is the load times, um, which are probably probably a good. 10 20 seconds um between screens yeah so, um which can really be a downer like if you're walking around trying to solve a puzzle and you're like oh maybe I, with the thing i need is actually back up on the balcony you're like well i don't actually want to go there because i don't want to wait another right 20 second totally totally and i will the other thing too is like for this being a wii u game it doesn't like this should be a good genre to exist on the wii u oh absolutely because you should what you really would want would be like your inventory on that gamepad. Sure. And you could like touch the different things on the inventory. Inventory, maybe like drag them over to like combine them. Yeah. Something that really takes advantage of that or like some sort of map or maybe hint system down there. Something. There's, yeah. This, you get this game, you get no Wii U functionality in this other than you press the minus button and you can switch to second screen at a glance. But you, you can only get a big you picture of critter on the big screen. Yeah, you only get one screen at a time. Right, right. Uh, regardless, and I do think that like it's kind of neat that it seems like a nice game to play on the gamepad because it's like a calm, relaxing game that you could play before you go to bed or sure, something. Sure, sure. Knock out a couple puzzles, but now since it's also on the Switch, you could just do that. Yeah. And I imagine, I, I hope, I mean, we don't play these games on any of the other consoles. No, no. Uh, but like, I, I'm assuming it runs much smoother on at least a lot of the other consoles. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you'd have to think so. Yeah, it's... I think the performance issues here are kind of bogging down, I think, what would be an otherwise... I think it would be an enjoyable experience. Like, again, it, this has got the same kind of uh, earnest dorkiness that I appreciate in games like this. 
And this is a vi- visually, this is an improvement over the first game. Like, mm-hmm. I like the opening credit sequence. It's a parody of the Game of Thrones opening credits, but they keep breaking down, and that's when your like tutorial gets worked in, where you your little repair robot that looks suspiciously like Wally, and you need to come in and like fix stuff up. Actually, weirdly, lots of Pixar references in this mm-hmm. game so far. There was a stuffed like Sully in one of the, or like a Sully colored monster. I think yeah. one of the reasons that I const- that I often go through phases of thinking, yeah, maybe I should be in like into adventure games mm-hmm. is because I'll like read an article or I'll just see a screenshot from an adventure game. I'm like, that looks pretty awesome. Like King's Quest Five, or which is like a very old game at this mm-hmm. point, or maybe I think King's Quest Four, maybe, but it was kind of like my brother owned it on floppy disk, and oh, I yeah. just would boot it up and I'm like, this is the greatest looking game I've ever seen. Uh-huh. And I still look at screenshots from that game and I'm like, this game looks amazing. Yeah, like still images from those sierra games look so good because they're like so colorful but they have just sort of like the right amount of like dated bits and boops yeah um that i'm like this looks really great but then when you sort of see them in action and there's or there's like characters on the screen they look a lot less engaging this game has sort of the same issue of like once you get past that opening screen, there's like a this like big garden that this elf castle is in, and like from afar, like it's bright and colorful, and I'm like, I really like the way this game looks. Yeah. And then you sort of pan in and see these two characters talking. I'm like, I don't like the way this game looks anymore. Yeah, yeah. Um, it it was, happens pretty quickly. Yeah, the character models are pretty ugly. Yeah, yeah, they're they're pretty. They they look pretty unrendered. Like it's almost like you're you went into like your poser software. Um, which I was probably a super dated ref, but like some yeah. some software that's like animating characters, and you like drag down like elf princess from the corner, sure. and then you like put like you increase her bust size a little bit, and like put a little princess hat on her, yeah, and you're like, all right, good, let's render this. That's done, <laughs> yeah. done, yeah. Exactly. Call it a day. Like, uh, is she a redhead? Sure, yeah. Why not? Uh, yeah, not a whole lot of uh, creativity put in that. I mean, like Wilbur, you didn't even get to Wilbur, but yeah. he's like. He's basically, he's just a hobbit. You know, he is, like, just a, a short guy, like, who goes on a magical adventure. Like, they're not really stretching too far outside of these tropes other than just, like, you know, there, there are some clever bits. Like, we found a sword rack in the main hall that had, like, the Final Fantasy VII Buster yeah. sword and then, like, a digitized Minecraft sword. Like, little things like that. And you there's, know, and fu- I there's funny jokes. Like, the, the writing, too, is, like, there was funny jokes. Like they were talking about how her grandma named all of these plants. Yeah. And they go through all these gross names. Like like, shite boot or something. Yeah. She's like, we don't invite her to family gatherings anymore, which is a funny joke, but there's a couple things that kind of hold this back, which is the camera is always like, there's just super stiff. Like the camera doesn't move anywhere. Yeah. And I mean, this is true of like, a lot of adventure games, but it's just, uh, you're just moving from static screen to static screen. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, that means that whenever she says something funny or your character says something funny, the camera doesn't, like, zoom in to, like, so you can see the thing she's talking about. Like, none of the jokes really land mm. because they're not accentuated by any other aspect of the game. Like, right, right. The, the music is kind of just, like, coming in and out at kind of will. Like, another another tech issue is, like, it would occasionally, like, all the sound would just sort of cut out for, like, out, yeah. 10 seconds and then come back later, and you're like, great. Thanks, yeah. thanks Wii U. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> way to go, way to go. Yeah, yeah and... Way to keep up with a very old game. And the other thing is, like, a lot of the interactions that we've noticed where two characters are talking, one of the characters will be, like, you'll, you'll just be seeing the back of their head, which I don't know if that was a conscious cost-cutting effort to be like, all right, we're going to port this game into different languages, mm-hmm. or we don't want to animate like the the mouths moving so that we won't yeah we won't have to do that if their heads are facing the other way but again like 
it really gets in the way of feeling sort of engaged and attached to these characters. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm just sort of statically looking at these characters talk from behind. Right, right. Yeah, it, that, it, it's a, the weird framing, too. Yeah, I just, I don't know why they, they just even thought to do that. Like, you can do some more cinematic cuts, like, yeah. to, to kind of accentuate that. And, yeah, like, I do still, like, like we said, 171000 is still a pretty low budget for a video game. Like, and, it, and you could see it, you know, it's, it's, uh, it, it's still got a little bit of a discount thing. Uh, yeah, I mean, this game does offer the option, like, to, if you press X, like, at any time, it'll show you all the objects you can interact with, which, again, cuts out a lot of the busy work. But, and which is but a just very... moving around is such a slow process that it kind of cancels that out. And your character can only, like, interact with something from a very precise position, meaning, like, if you highlight the magnifying glass over an item, she'll, like, and you're close to it and you highlight it, she'll still take, take, like, a couple steps to the side and then kind of shuffle one direction before she actually reaches out to, like look at it or pick it up and all of that just contributes to the feeling of slowness yeah yeah which i am yeah i I don't know if i have too much more to add about the game because it's it's weirdly it's just a very simple game like on the interface of it like it's just i mean this is just very hard because it's similar to um like a wrestling game or something it's a game that is appealing to those who are are like especially for an adventure game which is just not a very common genre. So if you are very excited by adventure games, like this a, is a new one. one is kind of a big deal. Yeah, yeah. Um, and but if you're not really excited by them, like there's not anything that seems like, oh, you you really got to stick with this game because either the world or the story is so interesting. Yeah, that it's really going to convert you on it. Yeah, and I don't know that I've necessarily gotten there with this one. I I, uh, I, I enjoyed the little bit of time I spent with it, uh, but uh, I, I feel like I'm not really going to pursue this Def- through to the end. And definitely, definitely not on the Wii U. No, like, no. It's just, and this is just true, I think, of con- like console adventure games in general. That was another thing that the Telltale games did well, is since all you were really doing was sort of controlling a character and interacting with very limited things in the environment, it felt pretty natural with a controller. Yeah. Here... It's you're sort of simultaneously moving your character with the left stick and the sort of invisible cursor of what you're looking at. Right. And then sometimes multiple things will get selected and you have to use the right stick to sort of be more precise. But even like when you're in your inventory, you can't use the control pad to select the thing in your inventory. You have to use the stick. And Mm -hmm. being as it's only you only want four directions to highlight your square checkerboard control or inventory, that seems like a kind of a weird oversight like yeah i don't know and it's just like also like when you're playing a console game you're just farther away from the tv yeah it's just to me there's like definitely genres that to me function well and i find very engaging on the pc and i feel like and then i think they would be fun on a console but i occasionally try to play them and i'm like no this just doesn't work like I got XCOM like on the PS3 and I'm like, I don't like this at all because I have trouble processing this information so far away from the TV. Yeah. Or like they occasionally they'll release like versions of Civilization for like the Switch. And I'm like, oh, that'd be kind of cool. But it's like, I don't want to play Civilization on the Switch. Like I've tried it and it's yeah. it, they they do the best they possibly can with it. It just still doesn't feel right. Yeah. yeah. And it, yeah, I would say like the like uh, tactical certain times of tactical strategy games and like those big sort of XCOM is like the weird example of a tactical game that works well like yeah, better you, on console. Yeah, actually. maybe yeah. better, but just like games where you just have to shovel through a lot of menus, I always am going to want to be on the PC yeah, and yeah. um I think adventure games fall into that too cuz it's just so much easier 
to be able to move a mouse around and sort of look at everything at once and just click on what you want or highlight things and yeah. be like, okay, I can do this without feeling like you have to move your character every time you want to look at something. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm with you. Uh, do you have anything else about this one? About uh, two? Do you have no, anything else about about? Yeah, I suppose not. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of there. It's it's. <laughs> I don't think this is a bad. I mean, we'll segue into our rankings here. Like, I don't think this is a bad game. Um, I I think this is a bad port of an okay game in a genre that I don't necessarily uh show up for on day <laughs> yeah. one. You know. So uh, to to add this to our rankings, uh, this, currently, is, this is maybe an episode we could have used a guest for, except we don't know anyone who would give a shit about unwritten tales. I, ca- I, I can't <laughs> yeah. imagine who would care about this one. Um, for this one, uh, yeah, my number one still Shovel Knight. My bottom one still Turbo. Uh, so this one is gonna go uh, at number eleven. So that's underneath FIFA thirteen and above Cabela's Big Game Hunter Pro Hunts. This is probably a game I'd be more likely to play again than FIFA, but I can't in good conscience say that this is a better oh, game man, than FIFA. man, not me. I would play like 30 games of FIFA before I played this See, game. See, yeah, yeah, but I, 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 I wouldn't. But I didn't, yeah. I didn't dislike this game. I don't know, it's so hard because it's, it's, it's not, kind of hard to develop much it's, enthusiasm It's really, about it. ju- it's not bad. Like, there's a lot of much worse games on this list, but I'm going to put it under, uh, I'm going to put it under double Capella's Dangerous Hunts 2013. Okay. Which is sort of puts it in bad company like Walking Dead or Epic Mickey 2. Um, I, I think but, it's better than all of oh, those games. I, I, I agree but, 100%. But, but since we're factoring like on the Wii U, there's, as a, this, this there's com- a lot working against it. Yeah. yeah. It's a like, second game with no prequel like on the console. So, like, yeah, there's. And there's, it's just those goddamn load times. I just, I would rather play something that is dumb fun that just or they, that's i don't know I, I was about to call 007 legends of the cabela games fun yeah, yeah but like i would rather play something that is dumb and fast moving than something that is just this glacial it's very slow for i don't know and like i'm just not a big enough of a fantasy dork to be like ha i'm gonna laugh at all of these sort of just very sort of rote fantasy references even yeah. though i think they're good like they're i, I, fun. I think yeah, they're, they're funny fine. i just have seen these jokes many times yeah and they're they're kind of approaching it as if no one's ever heard these jokes before which is why i kind of like them um well all right we we do have some letters oh, this week. do you want to jump into prince ev first no, no? I, letters no. are far more exciting all right let's do some letters then uh dear steve woody and the ghost of the weird noise that used to be in all your recordings oh my gosh that's, uh, a, that's RIP, a callback r.i.p I'm writing to concur with your assessment of Metroid Samus Returns from the Patreon episode. That's at uh, patreon.com slash ultra64pod. This is, the, this is the, our new sweet crossover promotion where people <laughs> comment on Patreon episodes on the main feed. Hey, absolutely. And then hey. People, will be, people are like, I got to be in the know. I got to get in these Patreon to learn. Hey, That's, it's going to be enticing. T- if you want to be part of the conversation, yeah. yeah. It's just weird. Like We talk about so many better games than Patreon. It's true. <laughs> Lately, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's been... Uh, so, uh, yeah, uh, I want to concur with your assessment of Metroid Samus Returns from the Patreon episode. It's a game that plays really well with its varied mechanics and silky smooth 360-degree shooting, but unfortunately it looks real ugly for no reason other than bland and dull design. Mm -hmm. Everything is fine on a technical level, and the presentation can be pretty engaging during its action segments and close-up melee encounters. Still, I can't help but wonder how incredible it would have been if they went for the vibrant art style with gorgeous 2D animation a la Hollow Knight or Rayman Legends. Would that be cool? Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm holding out great. hope that there's a new 2D Metroid in the pipeline for Switch. 
<clears throat> perhaps along uh, Prime 4 for a simultaneous launch like they did with Prime 1 and Fusion. It's not likely, would but bo- a man can dream. They would both be on the Switch. So yeah. That would that, be, like, really weird. That'd be a hard sell. <laughs> yeah. It's not likely, but a man can dream. I just hope it doesn't use that same bland 2.5D art style and they go for something more creative. I'm really enjoying the Metroid deep dive, and it is getting me excited for the potential of new info at E3 in a few short weeks. For now, I'll have to settle for another playthrough of Metroid Fusion. The graphics look stunning and vibrant on the 2DS XL, and it really lets you appreciate how beautiful that game was, even though it's nearly 20 years old. Thanks for taking the time to pour over this series, which has been so neglected and sidelined in recent years. All the best, and that's from Dan in Washington, D.C. Thanks, Dan. And he's got a P.S. He says, I gotta disagree with Woody regarding the design of the fusion suit. It is definitely a bit of an odd and unsettling look, but I really dug the organic look to it, and the fact that it's slender and looks a bit weaker works well to contrast the imposing various suit as you're hunted by a dark copy of that suit the whole game. Just my two cents. That's a good point. Dan, uh, yeah, I think Dan is right. Like, I do think that the... the it's, it's so weird. I don't know. I just feel guilty talking about this, but no, no, uh, I, yeah, it, we got to talk about something, right? Hey, some like of these we... some of these Metroid episodes were released in the main. Field, oh, okay. So some people have heard some of that's this. true, and yeah. it's not like we didn't start this episode with me making bird calls and hitting my chest. <laughs> um, that's just the that's where we're at. Yeah, but uh, I do think that you're right that the weird design of that sort of X virus suit does actually fit very well in the way the story. Because yeah, Samus yeah. does look kind of mutated and hunched over. I just I find the design visually off putting. It's which just like hunch. Is, yeah, it's which the is hunch. which is the point, but I, I don't like the way it looks. The, the suit is cool. The hunch is a little weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's the only. That's thing. a good way to put it. Uh, this next one says, "Hey guys, Acclaim made a bunch of games based on Valiant comics during the N64 era. Is there any link to our boy Prince EV? Ooh. I could Google, but it's more fun to ask the leading experts in obscure old timey <laughs> comics. Cheers, and that's from Jesse from Perth. Thanks, uh, Jesse. So yeah, do we think Turok is in the uh, Prince the, Valiant the universe? Valiant verse? Yeah, yeah. I think there's going to be a crossover. He, he, doesn't he travel through time? He does. He can definitely. He can definitely go back to. The, well, he'd have to go forward to that time. I mean, I do think like was that kind of like part of Valiant Comics? Was kind of like a throwback to more like an old serialized feel like no valiant was like uh when they first came on the scene it was it was more gritty stuff it was like bloodshot uh uh uh, turok and uh, so it um, wasn't like a throwback to a more innocent time no it was a throwback to a current time which was the early 90s all right so we're gonna we're gonna say based on our very limited expertise no no i'm gonna say no but we we, we can all agree the valiant cool cool word cool word i enjoy it i enjoy it uh, one last letter. What if what if okay. what if we named our kids Valiant, Steve? Would we like would they... our kids, like your and mine? Yeah, that we exactly. Have together? Yeah. We, this, is, this is this is the twist at the end yeah. of the episode. Steve and I are adopting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So if you have a kid you want us to adopt, send them to <laughs> Ultra Sixty Four. Poke over... holes in the box, people. Yeah. For God's sake. Um, but yeah, we're either going to name him Valiant or Turok. Yeah. <laughs> okay. One of those. Will claim still honor that contest? I would hope so. Yeah. Right. Uh, this last one says, Dear Woody and Steve, please, please, please create a special jingle for every launch game on the Wii U. After oh. getting that fantastic October 1999 song for the N64. Made by Woody Suskowski. That's very true. I feel empty when I don't hear a song for a launch title. It would be a great add-on to an already great show. Best wishes, and that's from Ace G. Ace, oh, speaking, maybe we should name our kid Ace G. Ace G, yeah. Yeah, that could stand for anything. Yeah. That, um, be- that is a very good idea, Ace G. The problem is... We've seemingly already played like half of the launch titles. Oh, in these first we few still episodes. have so many more. Don't worry. Okay. Don't what worry. Would, what would a sound a sound effect be like a theme was, song for? A, I was thinking about that, and I think it needs to include some kind of part from the countdown in uh, Space Oddity. 
Oh, you sure. Know, you know, because it's launch, launching. Maybe something, know, something like from uh, like some sound clips from like the Apollo 11 launch. Or something. Sure. Maybe sure. I'll maybe I'll cull through the Race for Space album and see if there's any. There you go. There. there you go. Yeah, absolutely. That's, yeah, that's a good idea. And then you you can have the fun of going through all the previous episodes and re-adding oh, it and re-uploading them. Can't wait. Yeah, can't that's not going to happen. No, Just to not, be clear, that's I'm not going to do that. No. <laughs> Uh, well, cool. Well, speaking of Valiant, let's check I in. I feel like since this is an honorary first episode, maybe we should just start again. <laughs> oh, Christ. Like, no, no. <laughs> we just got into the swamps of terror. All right, fine. <laughs> this was going to be my hilarious bit is we were only going to get three episodes. God three, damn it. Three, uh comics in every time, and then I'd have to be like, all right, we better start again so we don't forget I where we were. crave closure. Well... Just to be clear, this book I'm holding, this uh, fan, very nice Fantagraphics printing. Yeah. Um, we're four pages in of, <laughs> like, 300 pages of Prince Valiant comics. Like, we will we will finish this series and still yeah, have pages left. Book, yeah. yeah, we'll still This would be yeah. the equivalent of us doing the Infinite Jazz podcast, but, like, each episode is only, like, a page at a time. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah that's like a by-the-minute podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I, wh- 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 where were we before, Steve? Steve no fucking re- clue. I have no happened. clue. Someone oh, was in the woods. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Prince Valiant was hanging out with uh, his friend, and they fought a dragon or something. Uh, yeah, I, sure. Maybe we reread this. Oh, look! They, I always forget that there's a there's a synopsis at the at the top. Oh, good. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> this is such a stupid bit. Um, it gets dumber and funnier every time. Okay, well, good. Synopsis: In the vast swamps, unchanged since prehistoric times, Prince Valiant and his companion escape from a great marsh lizard and spend the night in a tall tree. Ooh. Next morning, a trap is devised for the tireless watcher below. Just to be clear, that giant lizard that kind of looks like a dinosaur is hanging out under the tree. At the cost of a suit of skins, a morning's work, and many blisters, the trap is made. They've oh. kind of made like this. Uh, oh, that was them getting blisters. Oh, They've kind fingers. of made this like wooden ring, kind of like a cat cat collar. Um, oh, okay. Not not like a cat, not like a rude construction worker, but like something that you would like. Put around. Oh, I thought there was like some thing. guy next to the swamp going, "Hey, baby, yeah. hey, Prince Val, Prince EV, Prince EV, show us that haircut." Yeah. Um, it is set swinging above the lizard's great head with perfect timing. It is let go, and there it is, Steve. It's they're getting the lizard right on the head. Oh, that's that. a good lizard. Yeah. That's a good lizard. Um, the trigger is knocked out, and the trap's notch jaws close with a snap. The struggle that follows threatens to shake the little island to pieces. Prince Val. Oh, we're familiar with him now. Oh, yeah. Prince yeah. Val Prince glances buddy. over the fence, and there, in the direction of the light seen last night, is a thread of smoke. Fixing his memory in the direction of the smoke, he and his companion descends and race for their dugout. Uh, is, it a, what's a, is a dugout a canoe? I guess a dugout's a canoe. Oh, I thought it was just where you go when in between baseball turns. Uh, yeah, it would have taken quite a twist. That's it turns the, out he were members of the Astros the whole time. <laughs> and that's what it's called, right? It's baseball turn. Yeah. Like exactly. your turn. Uh, they leave the island with a struggling whore and speed onward. Wait, with this, I was popping my ears. The struggling with it, whore? With it, they leave the island with its struggling whore. And sh- speed homework. Oh, horror. Horror. Oh, oh, okay, okay. I, was, I, I kept mishearing that. I'm very tired. Sure. Yeah. That evening, he is inattentive to his instructor, for he is planning to find the source of the mysterious light, which I don't remember. Hmm. But uh, next week, the strange quest. 
About time. Uh, finally, we're going on the, the quest part. Getting strange. The table is laid. All right, we I feel can... like we should turn this. I feel like next. Uh, I think you should have the honor of reading the next the next issue when we get there. Okay. So. Okay. Listen, look forward to that, listeners. Look look forward to <laughs> us inconsistently <laughs> dropping uh, very old comic strips from the '30s without any pictures. <laughs> Well, thank you, the two people still listening. Uh, we are Ultra64 on all of the different social media places. Our uh, Patreon is patreon.com slash ultra64pod. Like we said, we're doing a Metroid series right now mm-hmm. that's getting close to wrapping up, and then we're going to pick a new series. It'll be very exciting. We don't know what it's going to be no, yet. You, you guys decide what it's going to exactly. be. Exactly. Uh, next week, we are going to be playing the game and Wario. Game and oh, Wario. You, I was, yes, I, I, was, I decided. I you had an aneurysm there. For no, a I was I was trying to make it more efficient. But one would argue that going back and explaining why I said it that way makes it less efficient. One may argue. One that. One may argue that. But if there's one thing I don't do on this podcast, it is argue. No, definitely. Lord not. knows I am complacent mm-hmm. and I keep everything running smoothly. Absolutely. You do not derail things <laughs> no. even a little. No, bit. No, this is a finely oiled <laughs> podcasting audio machine. It's like. Pouring Vaseline directly into your eardrums. Sure, (laughs) sure, which is never not pleasant, (laughs) I'm sure. Uh, So Game & Wario is the game we're playing. Part of the WarioWare series. I have uh, never played this one. I like WarioWare a lot. I've never played this one at all. I think it's going to be a very strange, ambitious game. All right, I'm into it. I'm ready. I'm ready to see a little more strange ambition after this week. So uh, we will see you next time for Game & Wario. That's my Wario noise. That <laughs> was your half-hearted Wario. Wow. Everything's half-hearted right yeah. now. Is this going to be our lowest downloaded episode ever, Steve? I guarantee <laughs> yeah. it. I guarantee it. Time to reveal the secret of the show. Uh...